Welcome one and all to episode 134 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, the college football world loses another unbeaten. Uh, Nothing but good things for your Ohio State Buckeyes when that happens. And, well, we got the first college football playoff rankings. The second one will come out tomorrow, recording on a Monday. Um... And that'll be that'll be an interesting one because, as we'll discuss later on, um, it's going to be really tough to uh, for for some of these schools to make it. It seems like. But before we get to that, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and uh, yeah, the stars are starting to align for the Ohio State University. Um, we thought that Michigan State would get knocked off soon. We just didn't think it would be. Um, two weeks early. So we thought uh, Ohio State was going to be the ones to knock them out. It turns out it's Purdue, this year's giant killers. They've knocked off number two, Iowa, then number two, Iowa, I should say, and then number three, Michigan State. So if you're a Boilermaker fan, it's almost like you've already had a, a phenomenal season. You might be the first fan base to just be able to just say, forget about it, put it on the shelf. We had a great year. But now you get Ohio State this weekend with a chance to ruin another season. So all Purdue does is ruin dreams. Yeah, and they're doing it despite the fact that, you know, they they haven't looked great consistently, but they've got two game changers, and we've talked about both of them, David Bell on the offensive side and George Karloftis on the defensive side. And that's one thing about college football is, if you've got game changers that can exploit matchups, you always have a chance. Right. And it turns out that Michigan State's Achilles heel was their pass defense. And Purdue was able to exploit that. Their quarterback threw for over 500 yards. And uh, as you mentioned, Bell, he went over 200 yards, and which he did against Iowa as well. So these guys were geared up. Michigan State will have a hard time stopping Ohio State obviously for the same reasons. But the question is going to be, will Ohio State secondary be up to the task this week against Purdue? We'll talk more about it on the Patreon show. But uh, it looks like it could be another matchup where you could see a Purdue kind of trap game coming. So Michigan State's out of the top five now, but our top five hasn't changed a ton. Georgia is still number one with a bullet. Um, I think we'll be waiting until the SEC championship game to see if that changes. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, I don't see Georgia slipping up before the, the SEC championship game. The question is going to be, who will they play? Uh, I think most people still expect it to be Alabama. But if, say, Alabama loses the Iron Bowl in a few weeks, then chaos might ensue. Uh, but Georgia hasn't even sniffed, you know, a, a, a tight win this year. Yeah, everything's just been all Georgia all the time. Their defense looks unstoppable, and uh, their offense has been serviceable enough because they have a good running attack. Now they've got, you know, Stetson Bennett's not the guy we thought we'd see at quarterback all year, but we've got uh, we're seeing him because uh, Coach. Kirby Smart thinks he gives them the best chance to win. He doesn't turn it over as much, and he's more mobile than JT Daniels. So 
you know, it's kind of hard to imagine that might be the starter and this year's national champion, but here we are. Number two was a shockingly low uh, number, I think, eight. Yeah, they were eight yeah, or nine. Eight, eight yeah. in the college football playoffs. Oklahoma, um, nine and oh, Oklahoma. Haven't looked great this year. I mean, we, you, you and I have discussed this every week, it seems like. Um, but undefeated is undefeated, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you hold out a Big 12 team if they go on, if they run the table? We either we either have to respect it, or we have to say like that we don't believe the Big Twelve is a, is a Power Five conference anymore. So I certainly it's still considered a Power Five conference, even though they're going to be losing a couple of teams to the SEC. Uh, for now, Oklahoma is still at two um, ahead of Cincinnati, so we still have Cincinnati at three, and Cincinnati had kind of a a scare against Tulsa where they had, they're up 28 to 20. They get a turnover on downs at the goal line. They fumble, give it back to Tulsa. And then uh, Tulsa is unable to punch it in again and ultimately fumbles into their own end zone. So Cincinnati escapes with an eight point win. I don't think that's going to impress the playoff committee. Uh, And we, we mentioned common opponents before. You have a common opponent between Cincinnati and Ohio State in Tulsa, and Ohio State beat them in an uninspiring way, but still by about 21 points. Number four for us is, well, I, I set this this week, and that was the Ohio State University. Um, you know, they're, they're turning on, you know, down the stretch. And, and real quick, I wanted to go back to Oklahoma just for a second. And, and while you and I discussed a lot, their early season woes and their struggles in the early season, you know, five point win over Tulane, seven point win over Nebraska, three point win over West Virginia, six point win over Kansas state. They went to Caleb Williams against Texas. And they, you know, we know about the Epic comeback seven point win since the Caleb Williams, uh, win or the move to Caleb Williams, they won by 21 against TCU, 12 against Kansas, which, yeah, not great. And then 30, um, 31 against Texas Tech. So, I mean, I guess I understand the penalization from the beginning of the year, but it's not like they're Oregon who lost to Stanford, um, you know, this season. At least they found ways to win those close games. It's an interesting, you know, penalty right now. Uh, but Ohio State number four, uh, they were, I believe, fifth in the in the college football playoff rankings. Correct. And just on the outside looking in, they'll be in this week, barring Cincy jumping them. I mean, Cincy was six in the college football rankings, and like you said, a, a bad a bad win over Tulsa for them. Yeah. Um, well. We'll get that. I, I have. I'll have my predictions for the how those rankings will shake up on Tuesday night. So I'll I'll mention that. Um, I'll circle back to that. All right, but Ohio State, uh, they're they're kind of in the the meat of their schedule now, and so you know if they end up running the, the gauntlet, finishing with just the one loss, heading into the Big Ten championship game, 
you know, again, barring a loss in the Big Ten championship game, there's no way you leave them out, right? I don't think so. And um, keep this in mind, too. Nebraska, although they are a seven-loss team now, they had made every one of their losses a close game, including the one you mentioned against Oklahoma. Uh, this was the first time they uh, – Saturday was the first time they lost by two scores. Every every uh, one of their losses before that had been a six had been a one score or less loss. I mean, I guess you can't have fewer than one score, but, you know, it had been a one-score game. And finally, the uh, fifth-place team, and this is, again, going to cause debates, even amongst you and I, but we had to give it to Alabama this week. Um, I I can't imagine that they're going to stay at number two after i mean the performance they put up was uninspiring to say the least so here's what happens why we've got them up here finally again is uh we lost some unbeatens that we had talked about we michigan state as we mentioned and then wake goes down to unc a game that actually we predicted so uh, you can uh, we we did that on the Patreon show, so here's a plug. Sign up for the Patreon show. Two bucks a month gets you the bonus episodes every week. Those are almost always on Thursdays. Those have our uh, previews of the Saturday games, and, and uh, we make picks. And once again, we picked right on that one. Another upset. You called it, actually. You said it had uh, vibes of that, uh, that Oklahoma State-Iowa State game from earlier in the year where you had a an unbeaten underdog playing a road game against a you know a less successful favorite and uh it was the home teams winning both those games so that's how bama squeaks in to our rankings this year and of course our rankings are much different from what you saw in the college football playoff rankings that came out um did you want to say anything else about bama just i mean this Bama team is not what we've seen in the past. They have a real lack of run game, and their defense is spotty at best. Um, they they seem to just be a team that can throw the ball pretty well with a young quarterback. Uh, I think it bodes well for the future. I think that they likely are going to make the uh, college football playoffs with how the season's going, probably as a two-loss four seed after they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, unless they just get blown out by Georgia, then, in which case I don't think you can put them in. But this is this has all the makings of, of what we saw kind of two years ago when uh, Tua got hurt and, and you kind of had a transition year for for Bama, right? Yeah, this is a little bit of a down year. I mean, it would be a lot has to happen every year for two lost team to get into the playoffs. Uh, this year, like you said, is kind of shaping up that way. Um, but there's still a lot that can happen. So I put I jotted down my predictions for how I think things are going to look tomorrow night, or it'll be. Tuesday night, you'll probably hear this on a Tuesday, but uh, I'm thinking that they're. I'm thinking that Bama does stay at two because they did win, even though it was uninspiring. Um, I'm thinking Georgia, of course, staying at one, Bama at two, 
And now I think it's pretty easy with Michigan State losing that you just slide Oregon and Ohio State up a spot each. So Oregon uh, beat Washington. They go up to, to three. OSU beating Nebraska bumps them up to four. And then uh, I think you've got Cincinnati and I think Oklahoma will make the jump without even playing. And I think those are going to be your first two on the outside looking in, your number five and number six. Yeah, and I don't see any reason to to disagree with that. You've got, you know, the the team that is most intriguing to me is is Cincy. Well, I guess both of those undefeated teams, Cincy and Oklahoma, and why they're looked at so poorly. And we talked about this, you know, quite a bit. And so we're we won't spend a ton of time on it, but. It's really interesting to see a team like Cincinnati that came in ranked highly, that's done everything that they've been asked to do, and they're still on the outside looking in, um, you know, two spots behind one-loss teams in Oregon and Ohio State, obviously behind Alabama as well, but for whatever reason, Alabama got to be ranked number two. Um it, it it almost goes to show you that it's it'll take a nearly perfect storm of situations where a team like Cincy for them to get in it'll have to there will have to be only one undefeated uh, power five team left at the end right. Well, yeah. So Oklahoma would have to lose because I, I I do think if. Push comes to shove and Oklahoma goes unbeaten, then they're going to get in. Um, it would be really shocking to me if they didn't uh, with an unbeaten record, if everybody else has one or two losses. Um, to get Cincy in, you need Georgia to beat Bama. You need Ohio State to lose uh, probably to like Michigan or Purdue, you know, to get or Michigan State to get knocked out of that Big Ten championship game. Because um, if they get in with, if they get to the Big Ten championship game with one loss, even, you know, there's a, there's a scenario where even with a two loss Buckeye team gets in, I, I, I doubt that, but you could picture it. Um, I think the committee would love nothing more than to keep Cincinnati out because I, I just feel like they're driven by the money and the rankings. And, uh, but that's why I think Oklahoma can, can still get in, even though they were, ranked so low in the initial ranking. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't see if, if Georgia and Oklahoma remain undefeated, I, I don't see how you are going to get uh, Cincinnati into that final four. And it's going to cause a lot of problems with, you know, social media. It's going to be a real controversial thing. And um, But, you know, you have to understand, you don't have to like it, but you have to understand where they're coming from. The, the committee has never really made it a secret that, uh, you know, they, they don't out, out and out say it, but they're trying to get good matchups that will drive rankings. And and they haven't even been successful with that. You saw last year, you know, you, you saw a couple of years ago, Oklahoma gets beat badly, Notre Dame gets beaten badly. Uh, one year, Ohio State got destroyed by Clemson. One year, uh, Mich- Michigan State got destroyed by Alabama. So you don't get, even when you put the big boys in, you don't really uh, get the good matchups that you want. And I think they're too afraid to 
expose Cincinnati to something like that, which is a shame because we know that in the past we have seen like a an upset, a Boise State winning an upset game or Utah. So it's not unheard of, but the committee just seems really, really gun shy about it. Oklahoma, we said they're going to get in if they go undefeated, right? There's no way that they don't get in. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess there is a way because there are still four teams ahead of them. So say uh, Alabama beats Georgia and Ohio State and Oregon win out. Does Oklahoma get to jump them? Does Oklahoma get to to leapfrog one of these teams? Because then you'd have a scenario where Ohio State's only loss was to number three Oregon. Um, and really, it'd be, it would be Bama in that scenario with, with the most glaring loss. But then they would have a win over Georgia on their resume. So there is a, there is a way. <laughs> I put nothing past the committee. And I think that those would be four. I mean, that th- those would be two good games. Those matchups, but um, yeah, it would be really unfair. When you look at the playoffs and, and you look at the importance for some some players, which prospects do you look at and go? They could really use that uh, that opportunity to show out in front of the nation. Um, you know, a guy like a guy like. Um, Trevor Lawrence took, you know, stormed on to the the national stage as a freshman in the college football playoffs with his amazing, you know, work. But those last two seasons, he didn't. I mean, he didn't need to be in the college football playoffs. But there are guys that that can use that bump that that can use the the matchups. And there's also guys that kind of get exposed, right? Uh, Sean Wade last year for Ohio State went from being a guy that you saw in a lot of mock drafts in the top, what would you say, 60? Yeah, and this, then, yeah. after two years ago, you know, he that's when it all started to kind of fall apart, right? When they got to the playoffs a couple of years ago. And yeah, people were saying he should declare as a Richard sophomore and he would be a first-round pick. I wasn't saying that, but you're right. People were saying that and then yeah, the wheels kind of came off. So, which prospects do you would you prefer or like to see this year, and and who needs kind of that boost in the college football playoffs? Yeah, so I I've been a skeptic, a Cincinnati skeptic, and a skeptic of their of their prospects. You know, I I see Desmond Ritter draft uh, in the first round of mock drafts, and I think that's crazy i don't i don't think he's a first round caliber prospect um another guy we talked about recently was my jay sanders when we talked about defensive ends and um why has he been so unproductive after being considered uh, uh touted i should say as a top 50 pick so there you go there's two players if cincinnati can get in and uh, those two players for example can have success against another top program you know if they get in and play uh alabama and and are you know putting up and and ritter's putting up yards and uh running around picking up making big plays and if by j sanders can get get uh, to bryce young for a couple sacks 
you know, th- those things would go a long way, especially in Sanders' case toward kind of rebuilding what I think has kind of been a, a down year for him. And uh, oftentimes, I mean, way too often, you don't get those matchups that you want to see from from the uh, smaller, not not that Cincinnati is a small school, but from the smaller programs. So uh, we did see that with Malik Willis over the weekend uh, playing against Ole Miss. And he ends up, you know, clearly Liberty was severely overmatched despite a lot of success by that program from the last couple of years. And you see Willis uh, struggle. He turned it over three times. Um, you know, one wasn't really his, his fault, but and the other was a desperation heave. But, but you saw just how overmatched his supporting cast was against a team like Ole Miss. Is that the case with Cincinnati? Or can Ritter and, and MIJ Sanders hang with the big boys? Uh, so those are the first two I'd start out with. What about, uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I just wanted to piggyback on Ritter real quick. Uh, if Ritter gets in at the, as the four and they play Georgia, that would be a fascinating game for Ritter to have oh, to yeah. play against Georgia's defense, which is probably one of the five best defenses of the last decade. Um, I mean, that's how good it's been this year. I, th- I believe they're allowing uh, six points per game. <laughs> that's that's so. insane. So, you know, you look at them, they're, they're a phenomenal team right now. Um, that would be a good one. Another one that I'd really like to see, and this is more, you know, prospect on prospect matchup. And I think after this weekend or after tomorrow or Tuesday night's rankings come out, this is the, you know, on the docket. Now, I don't, you know, we probably won't end up seeing it, but uh, I'd love to see Kayvon Thibodeau versus Evan Neal. Um, I think that would be, you know, you and I are big uh, Thibodeau guys. I'm going to say his name differently every time just to make it more fun that way. (laughs) Uh, uh, But, you know, Thibodeau is is maybe the top player in the draft. You and I have some questions on Evan Neal. And... Not not that is he, you know, draftable or this or that, but like is he a guy you can take at let's say number two after after Thibodeau? Yeah, and can, can he is he a left tackle at, right. at can the NFL he, level? I've I've said before and, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit uh later in the in the free show and then definitely on the on the Patreon episode this week, but he kinda reminds me of Big Leonard Davis from the from the Arizona Cardinals. And Which is a guy who was drafted to play left, left tackle, tackle and up at guard. Yeah, and, and ended up as a Pro Bowl guard, but yeah. he had to do it in, in Dallas because Arizona was like, no, you don't draft a player number two or three, whatever he was, overall to play guard. Now, I'm going to guess that Neal's probably going to test more athletically than, than Davis did because this was 20 years ago, and you know the NFL is a different game at this point. But... They're similar in size, stature, build, and you know, I I do wonder if that's where he's destined is to play you know right tackle or or guard in the NFL in, in a gap scheme. Um, and to be fair, uh, who's the big guy out of Notre Dame that San Francisco drafted? Aaron Banks, that we were all kind of surprised about. Remember, mm-hmm. um, and that was. That was an interesting one 
because he's not a, I mean, he's a healthy scratcher every week in San Francisco. And so if they were, if they drafted him expecting him to be able to run the, you know, Kyle Shanahan's outside zone, um, clearly they didn't watch him play in college, right? Yeah, it's you get these you get these guys that for whatever reason are um, you know we we talk about it often, but these guys for whatever reason the NFL stubbornly still wants to put in at at offensive tackle when they don't have the uh, baseline you know athletic thresholds of your good offensive tackles, your good NFL offensive tackles, so they end up. Um, getting moved to another position, but it unfortunately comes at the expense of them looking bad at tackle while the, while the NFL still, you know, tries to force the issue. And I, I don't really think that's going to happen with Evan Neal. Um, but I think he, I think he is, you see these with these really, really big guys, they have, um, their struggles happen when they try to move laterally. And that, you know, when you're playing against, it's it's just different when you're playing against even LSU than when you're facing, you know, Miles Garrett or Von Miller or, or you know, some of these Chandler Jones or some of these guys that are just elite sack masters in the NFL, the Bosa's, or um, you know, even some of the younger up and coming guys like uh, like Chase Young. It's you're you're gonna have a hard time keeping up side to side with these guys, and we've seen it not just. From uh, you know, we've seen it from Alabama line, linemen in the past too. You know, think Fluker, think uh, you know some of these other guys that have come out of Bama. They're big, uh, they're slow, and it's it becomes a challenge for them to stay at, at on that left side. You know, at the pro level. So I don't know. I don't know what that uh, that would be a good matchup to see. I don't think either of those. Men uh, Thibodeau or Neil needs a playoff appearance because I think they're both on track to be drafted very early, um, probably in the top five. You know, so regardless of what we think of Evan Neal today, the NFL seems to is seemingly in love with him, and uh, both of those guys are going to be drafted highly, whether they're in the playoffs or not. Right? Um, I had a, a name that I wanted to throw out there because since we have Oregon right now looking like they're going to be in the top three or four when the uh, rankings come out tomorrow. What about their quarterback, Anthony Brown? It, this is a player who um, nobody's going to mistake him as a first round pick, but a guy who transferred over from Boston college. And uh, the, I think he is a guy who needs a playoff berth to uh, put himself kind of on the map as a draftable player. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting because he is a guy that hasn't, you know, gotten a lot of pub for what he's done this year. But he's all he's done is win since he's kind of been there at, at Oregon. And, you know, you wonder if they wasted uh, the time on Tyler. Uh, what was it? Shoop? Shook? Shuck. Um, yeah. Shuck. Yeah, if they wasted time on Tyler Shuck thinking that they would be able to get something out of him. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, like to your point, he's not a guy that you're looking at as a day one or or two pick, but you're looking at as a guy that um, would be able to potentially 
come in and compete and, and be a backup early and maybe develop into a guy. So, it, you know, guys like that are – that's where they take those next steps and they're able to show against, you know, top teams that they're – that they are that good. Yeah, I think uh, Anthony Brown is – player he's played he's been efficient you know with in running that offense he's obviously he's a good athlete he can run the ball he's got a good arm and um i think he would have a chance to kind of put himself on the map if he got into the playoffs one more guy listed here and he doesn't need a playoff berth either but um he's been so he's been outstanding for georgia uh linebacker nicobe dean and this guy is just uh he's he's kind of small but he's fast and he's a big time playmaker. And I think it would be exciting to see what kind of havoc he can wreck in it in the playoffs. You know, he's he is a player who's gonna cause problems no matter who the quarterback is that he's facing. And he's just all over the field. And um I don't think a lot of people are talking about him as a as a potential first rounder yet, but I think that's probably coming. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. Let's uh, let's move on. We've got some huge Thursday and Friday night games this week, man. Um, not just prospect wise, but but importance in terms of both playoffs implications and um, conference championship implications. Thursday night, North Carolina's at Pitt. Pitt's coming off a massive game. Kenny Pickett was phenomenal um, in that game. Pitt is getting six and a half points. They are the favorites. They've got a great chance to be, you know, the the ACC representative this year. Um, What do you think about this game and who do you like? Well, Pickett has just been uh, – he's just been lights out all season. 29 touchdowns and three picks now. And uh, good response for, by Pitt, by Pickett and Pitt to come back from that uh, – you know, for, for Pickett and Pitt to come back from that loss to Miami. So uh, – but then you've got Sam Howell, who we talked about on our Patreon show last year as a player who seemingly, you know, how they left him for dead after that first game, that loss to Virginia Tech. And I feel like he's rebuilt his stock a lot, especially in showing off the mobility that he hadn't shown off the first two years in his career. We know that he has um, much, a much uh, less stacked supporting cast than what he had last year certainly um but i think this is going to be tough unc coming off a big emotional overtime win against undefeated wake and now they've got pitt but uh this time their uh nc's on the road pitt's the favorite uh, i like pitt to continue on the track to an acc championship with this game and i like pickett and how both to have another big game this week yeah, and it's I should be pick against the spread, right? This is a six and a half point. I'm gonna yeah. say uh, I'm gonna say NC keeps it close and uh, beats the spread, but loses the game to seven. And uh, Pitt 
improves to eight and two on the year. Yeah, this is a big game for uh, I think Hal more than Pickett. Pickett's got the momentum, like you said about Hal. He's been playing extremely, extremely well. Uh, kind of the forgotten man. I, I think he's probably getting looked at or or getting the buzz that he deserves at this point. You know, whereas coming into the year being talked about as a number one overall pick was probably way too much, right? Uh, and something you and I have said from the beginning. Um, and so to see where he's at now, I think that's, you know, that's Im- important. Um, I think I'm with you. I think Pitt wins this game. I think NC covers. I'm going to go uh, Pitt 45, uh, North Carolina 41. All right. The other, yeah. the, the other game this week is not nearly as – oh, real quick – Pitt, you know, we've talked about Pickett a lot, and one of the things that, you know, comes along with that is, well, you know, who's he throwing the ball to? Who's the go-to guy? His top wide receiver is a four-star recruit that was a safety or wide receiver recruit, and he decided to, you know, play the wide receiver position. Um, and, And he's only a true sophomore, so he's not eligible this year. But it's going to be really fun, I think, to watch him because obviously Pickett – I don't want to say obviously, but Pickett's going to uh, declare and come out this year. He's going to come in and be a guy that has a chance um, you know, to be a, a probably a top 10 pick at this point. But his go-to guy, Jordan Addison, uh, putting up massive numbers this year – it's going to be fun to watch Addison because he's playing so well. He's, you know, he was, he was good as a freshman, but he's really come on as a sophomore. And the idea that he could potentially be, you know, one of the top receivers in the 23 class, uh, something to watch going forward. The other game on Friday night is Cincy at South Florida. We talked about it, man. Since he goes back and forth, right? Well, they're, they're kind of like, uh, the, Group of five version of their uh, in-state partners, Ohio State. You know the odds makers keep giving them these giant lines, and then they're not covering. So if you're if you're betting, you know if you're if you're betting the line and going for the uh, underdog in these Ohio games, you're probably winning some money. So and we got another big line this week, uh, twenty three and a half on the road. They're favored by twenty three and a half at at USF. USF is bad, man. They're not a good football team. But like you said, since he keeps getting these lines and then they just they can't match them week in and week out. I'm really interested in your opinion. I don't know how much you've watched him like in really in focus, but Alec uh, Pierce, the senior wide receiver at Cincy, He's got 34 receptions for 603 yards and four touchdowns. Now, this is where it's interesting to me. Coming out, he ran a 4.65, I believe, at the opening and was measured at 6'1, 191 pounds. So, good size, you know, senior in high school. 4.65 is not great, but for his size, not, not the worst. Since he's listing him at 6'3, 213 now. So 
22 pounds, 2 inches. If he's sub 455, he's an intriguing prospect, is he not? Yeah. You, when you asked me about him, and the first thing you asked me was, uh, it, could he be a day two pick? And I thought, I thought no way. Um, that was my initial gut reaction. And then the more I thought about it, you know, Pierce is, a, he has become this big play threat. He's on the radar of the all-star game guys, of um, Eric Galco and Jim Nagy. And I think what you, how you put it, like he's put on a lot of muscle. And that 4.6540 time, and as well as his other athletic testing, is going to improve. And the other thing is he was like a four- or five-star athlete, a five-sport athlete in uh, – in high school, you know, he played, he played basketball and volleyball and, you know, football and ran track. Like he was, he was Mr. Everything as far as an athlete. So that really suggests that he is a well-rounded athlete. So I, I think, um, inevitably, I think he's going to get Cooper cup comparisons and who's the best receiver statistically in the football right now is Cooper cup. So I think that bodes well for Alec Pierce. That's, that's some thing that's going to be fresh in people's mind, a comparison that's going to be kind of easily drawn aesthetically. And you're going to, I, I think Pierce is going to be a riser, you know, look at cup. He went in the third round. So that that's day two right there. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that, that Pierce is going to be up there too. And I thought, I thought maybe is this guy old? Like what's his situation? But he's not, he's, he's going to be, he's a regular senior he's not super super senior or anything like that he came in in 2018 he is i believe going to be 22 years old in may so there's really no flags on him as far as uh as athleticism or, or age or anything like that so I, i'm not sure he's really 6'3 but he's definitely got good size and we know that since he's produced some athletic freaks coming out recently um and, and so that's what will be really interesting to watch is how he tests uh you know obviously like you said the biggest thing for me is going to be measurement like if he comes in at 6'1 and 205 and he's a four five guy five guy it's it's not that it's a huge you know deal but again when you when you're talking 6'3", 215, versus 6'1", 205, that's when you get into that jag territory that you and I have talked about with these guys, right? All of a sudden, they, they're just, they're guys. They're, they're, what makes them different than the rest of these guys? Uh, what, what stands out? And, and right. you might say, well, two inches, that doesn't matter. But, it you know, um, it does matter to the NFL. You're, you're yeah, talking you about height. You're talking about, you know, most corners are 5'10 to 6 feet. So now all of a sudden you're talking 3 to 5 inches on these guys. Um, and, you know, 215 two is a is a thick wide receiver as well. Right. And, and uh, if you look at the history of NFL draft – you know, a stat head is a very good reference for that. You can you can uh, see it for yourself. Just check out from the year 2000 on how many receivers between, uh, say, 5'11 and 6'1 and, uh, you know, 100 and, and uh, 
85 to 199 pounds, you know, under 200. Uh, you could even kick it up to two, 200, 205 and uh, just see what your list looks like in there. And you're going to see a lot of guys who never amounted to, to anything at the pro level. Um, you could see guys like that, you know, bigger guys like that who also didn't, who also didn't succeed as NFL players, but the, the, but what we're talking about is you have this a smaller pool. So if you could identify the guys that can really play at that size, you have an advantage of, at, over scouting from this deeper pool where everybody kind of is this looks has the same dimensions, the same right height, and, the and, same weight. And the other thing you would have to caveat that we said is, you know, if they're not a sub four five guy like there's a there's a litany of receivers and people always go well look at antonio brown and it's like yeah antonio brown was drafted in the sixth round there's a reason that we that's what we talk about is like you don't draft antonio brown or antonio brown's metrics and measurements in the first round you draft him on day on day three and hope he turns into antonio brown you don't draft him on day one and expect Antonio Brown. And then when you end up with Andy Isabella or, you know, these other, these other wide receivers um, that come through every year and, and don't turn out, you can't go, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm shocked. No, you go, Oh, <laughs> that was expected because that, that's what, like Justin said, there's a litany of guys every year that that test that look, and that are the size of those guys. Um, let's get out of here. But before we do that, a hot take uh, at Marcus underscore Mosher on the Twitter tweeted out not super serious QB comps for 2020, but here's what he came up with. And I'm, I'm I don't know if you've read the tweet, but I'm gonna fire these off. Rob, feel free to. Uh, our, our producer extraordinaire, feel free to uh, chime in as well because I'm I'm interested what everybody has to say about these because I didn't see too many people agreeing with him. Um, I'm going to go from least absurd to most absurd. So the least absurd Sam Howell to Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't think that's too much of a stretch. I think we've even mentioned that on this show. Yeah, they're the same height and weight and they both have dark hair and beards. So I think that's... Uh... You know, I think they're similar athletically too. Although Hal is using his his mobility more than Baker, but I think it's an easy connection to make because they kind of look like they could be brothers or cousins. <laughs> Malik Willis to Jalen Hurts. I don't like this one because I think Willis is a is actually a better passer uh, from uh, both a collegiate and prospect standpoint. Um, you know, I, I mentioned he threw three picks the other day, but he has uh, three three interception games. That sounds bad, but he also has – those are his all his picks for the year. And he's also set career highs in uh, touchdown passes, yards per attempt, and uh, completion percentage so far this year. And uh, I think he's also faster uh, than, than Jalen Hurts. So I'm actually a person who thinks Jalen Hurts is going to get a – if if he doesn't if they don't keep him on in Philly to uh, be the starter, I think he'll get another look as a starter 
on another team. You know, if Philly decides to try and go elsewhere, but I have a hard time uh, trying to piece together how Philly's even going to move on from him. So it's not like I don't like Hurts. It's just that from a prospect standpoint, I think it's not a match. So I, I saw another one, that another range of, of like McNabb and Justin Fields. Maybe he's like somewhere in that in that range, but that's like a broad spectrum. Yeah, I agree with Justin on that one. I definitely lazy scouting term one one, but I think I think of him as more of a dynamic quarterback than Hertz was. Yeah, Hertz is a, he's kind of a he's a grinder. I don't think he's super dynamic. I think he has some like exciting skills but he hasn't that he hasn't really like all put all together but i think he's he's just like a worker you know he's weirdly unathletic for how mobile he was <laughs> if that makes any sense yeah he's kind of like a fullback sometimes playing quarterback but he you know he's getting better so i don't want to, I, I don't want people to think i don't like hurts because uh, i think he's i think the philly fans are a little too rough on him honestly Finally, we've got Kenny Pickett, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> this is my favorite one. <laughs> what What do you think of that one? They both have two gloves on, so so they both have small hands, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're, it's definitely not a selling point if, if this is the comp you want to make for Pickett. It's definitely not going to convince me to change my mind and, and say, oh, now he's a first-round guy. Can I post the uh, the blinking guy dot gif to a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I think people started this one because of the gloves. I really do. Because <laughs> they because they both wear gloves on both hands. That's perfect. That's almost worse than every receiver with dreads on the number elevens. The next Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, but who who's a good comp for Pickett? Because I hear I see people compare him to Burrow too, and I just I'm not ready to go there yet either. You, you, you want my actual take, or you want me to fire off this uh, keep it locked and loaded for later on? Keep it locked and loaded. All right. Well, I'm just going to say he was drafted the same year as uh, good old Teddy B. So. Okay. We'll have, to, we'll have to save that one for another day. <laughs> All right. That's it from us. If you want the extra show every week, subscribe to our Patreon. $2 a month will get you the extra show. $4 a month will get you an article as well. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, man? One more game for my Hamlin Pipers this weekend. They're, they got a rematch against St. Scholastica. It's been a rough season now, so uh, but this will be their last game of the year. So go Pipers. Let's try and win this one on uh, end this season on a positive note. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back later this week with the Patreon episode of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars. A month for our bonus episodes, four dollars a month for all additional content, something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.